There's like an old adage that you always say, like, if you start and end a documentary in the same spot, then you weren't listening. Mm -hmm. But for me, a lot of it came into just the research of finding this community and then just like doing a lot of listening up front. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, filmmaker Rebecca Stern joins us to talk about her wonderful documentary, Well Groomed. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love Dog Words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. The only way we know what topics and guests you like is if you tell us. Then we'll try to deliver more of that. Please download, subscribe, rate, and, most importantly, share dog words. Please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content. At Rosie Fund, we encourage you to make a difference in a shelter dog's life. You can do just that by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. Use the link in this episode's description. All proceeds go towards supporting our mission of helping senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have a better life. We are grateful to alternative string duo The Wires for allowing us to share their wonderful music with you on each episode of Dog Words. Like many musicians, they are finding creative ways to reach their audience. Their underground virtual concert series features performances and storytelling from mysterious and historical sites around Kansas City. Purchase a single concert for $15 or buy the series ticket for $60 and receive a digital download of their holiday album. Trust me, that's a tremendous value, and you'll be supporting local musicians. Learn more at the link in this episode's description. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to help give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today's guest on Dog Words is director, producer, writer of Well-Groomed, Rebecca Stern. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Thank you. This documentary was brought to my attention by my wife, who saw the cover. And the cover has a dog that's colorfully groomed and thought, this will be interesting. You can't help but fall in love with this movie. And the way you feel about the subject and the uh, participants will evolve over the course of how long is it, Rebecca? An hour and a half, hour 40? Yeah, the theatrical cut is 88 minutes. And then the cut that you'll see on HBO is 60 minutes. This is available on a variety of platforms. And of course, the DVD. You want to see the whole thing. You don't want to see a cut down version. You want to see the theatrical cut. Yeah, I think so. So people should get the DVD. We'll explain more what the topic is in a moment, and maybe that'll come up in in your uh, explanation of what was the inspiration for this documentary. Yeah, I mean, I I love dogs, so it was like an easy start. I just started out in documentary film, so I was kind of learning the craft. I didn't go to school for film at all. I needed a, something that I could kind of dive into myself and start learning about how you do camera work and what directing is and how to produce a film. So, so what was your background where you made then the leap to needing to learn how I, to make a documentary? Um, yeah, I thought that I was going to be a lawyer, maybe still in the cards, who knows, you know, always a good fallback. And then I kind of wanted to work in publishing. 
but I hadn't really chosen a career path at that point. Um, and I moved to New York and just fell into the documentary community in a way that like you can only do in New York city where you just meet tons of people and they start leading you down this path. But I wanted to choose something that I thought would be like a manageable project and would like just draw on something that I was really passionate about because everyone kept saying, if you start documentaries, like, you're going to be working on it for five, 10 years. You don't even know how long it will consume your life. You'll think about it when you wake up, when you go to sleep, while you're dreaming. I was like, okay, if I'm going to do all of that, I want it to be something that I'm like enthralled with and that I love and dogs were an easy, an easy answer. So I started researching different dog communities in Manhattan because there's a lot of them and they're all very weird and quirky. And I went to a few dog like fashion shows the Halloween fashion show at Tompkins Square Park is super fun. You know, like everyone gets dressed up. And by everyone, I mean the dogs. And I was kind of like just doing my research and I ran across creative dog grooming and a, like a picture of it online and was instantly just like struck. I completely stopped everything else I was doing. I wanted to learn a lot more about it. If your listeners haven't seen it, it's basically like topiary technicolor designs on standard poodles that transform the dog into something else completely so like some of my favorites are a poodle transformed into a buffalo and it like the poodle looks like a little mm-hmm. tiny buffalo and and without perspective you would think it's a full-sized buffalo yeah so exactly. we're standing next and to they, a person <laughs> and they do take pictures of that perspective so i'm like this dog is huge and so I just started researching that and dove in. I wanted to know a lot more about the artists who were creating this, why they were doing it, how they were doing this. And that started, as everyone warned me, a five-year journey into making this film. The pictures of the dogs are amazing. And you see a picture and you think, okay, this is for a magazine layout or for an art show. But then when you're watching the documentary and realize it's not just a couple people doing this because a photographer has hired them. It's a whole culture of competitive dog grooming. There are multiple shows around the country. It's going to be tricky to talk about this documentary without too many spoilers. And yeah, I don't think don't this, give it this away. <laughs> I don't think this would be a spoiler to say you aren't getting rich grooming these dogs and dyeing their hair because the prize money for first place, let alone what you would get for on down the board, probably is not even going to cover the cost of your travel to go to the show, let alone the cost of the dye and materials to do the grooming. So you're doing yeah, this for the love all. of it. Yeah, it's, it's a community of majority women. Um, there's some men, but it's really women-led who have fallen in love with the craft and the art form, as you were saying. Um, All of them are professional dog groomers. So they spend every day in and out with dogs, grooming them, spending time with them, understanding them. But they're also artists. And so I think a lot of them are just looking for ways to express themselves and looking for ways to kind of attach to, uh, to passions, you know, one of animals and one of art. And they've kind of fallen in love with it. And I think one of... The things that I was pleasantly surprised with in kind of going down this journey is finding this group of women who are just so positive and heartfelt and supportive of each other as they go through these competitions. So 
you really get like very immersed in their art practice and the way that they're thinking of it and the friendships that they form as they go through it. One of the friendships you feature is between Angela and Adrian. The one they're, they're both all the people you highlight or feature are very talented, but these are two sort of the big names in the culture. Angela in particular. Okay. I don't want to overwhelm my listeners. So there's four (laughs) people that you focus on, and I'm sure there were many more that you talked to that don't make it into your 88 minutes. But Angela strikes me as someone, and she's selling, like she's doing presentations at all of the shows on how to groom your dog, and then she's selling supplies. She strikes me as somebody that if she hadn't gotten into competitive dog grooming, she would be in charge of regional sales at some corporation or managing all the employees at some company. She would be getting stuff done for her own company or for someone else. She would be a success because she just seems like I'm a go-getter. I'm organized. I'm industrious. I set goals. I meet goals. She doesn't seem to be overwhelmed by anything that she doesn't need the dog grooming. She loves it. She's good at it, but she could be great at any number of things. Adrian, who's sort of her, uh, I wouldn't say they're friendly competitors, almost like she's her protege. Uh, But that's who Adrian is gunning for Angela. It's like, I want to be the top groomer. Adrian seems like someone who, if this were taken away from her, if she couldn't do competitive grooming, you would need to put her on suicide watch that this is so much become a part of her that she wouldn't know what to do without it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, like, as you said, Angela is just like, she's, she's one of the like seminal figures within creative dog grooming. Creative dog grooming is actually very, very old. This has been happening for a very long time. Um, If something had happened to you in the middle of production, Angela would have taken over and finished the documentary. Yeah, she's so confident. And I mean, Adrian is too, but Adrian has like, she, so Angela is like an artist and a businesswoman. And Adrian is a businesswoman as well. She runs two businesses mm-hmm. and she's very successful at they that. They certainly but appear like, to be successful. The, the artist comes so first for her. Um, and she is just completely infatuated with dog grooming and with creative dog grooming. And she's just obsessed. And I think that her passion really shows in the film. I mean, one of the things I fell in love with Adrian just like instantly upon meeting her because she really wears her heart on her sleeve mm-hmm. and she's going to tell you exactly what she thinks all the time. But it just so happens that everything that she thinks is very pleasant and she's just so earnest. And so what we get to do in the film is kind of watch her progress through that and really think hard on how she can make her art better and how she can achieve a goal that she's been trying to get to for like almost 20 years and how Angela helps her to do that, you know, gives her critiques, asks her to do things differently, kind of makes suggestions. Yeah. And, and that's that why I wanted to avoid that'll... calling them a nemesis because Angela doesn't hide anything. And she, she's not trying to like, here's my secret sauce for grooming. It's like in her presentation, she's like, here's exactly how I do this. And she's, I'm selling product but I'll tell you how to do what I do. Part of that, I think, is she has the confidence that 
if you're going to beat me in these competitions, I know how hard you have to work. I know what it takes to get where I'm at. And I'm not worried that there's going to be too many people that are going to work that hard. But if there (laughs) is somebody like Adrian who's going to do that, I'm going to help them because I want to be around someone who's going to push me to make me better. Yeah, exactly. The uh, comparisons to Best in Show are going to be inevitable, I think. I don't think it's fair. It's a lazy comparison. I didn't read really reviews for this. I'm guessing there are probably lazy reviews who go, this is the real life Best in Show. It's nothing like Best in Show for exactly what you said about Adrian, that you can't help falling in love with her because of her passion and her purity for why she's doing it. The people you feature, there is this purity to it that they really care about. And this comes up in the documentary, and I love the way you addressed it and the way you timed it. There's a concern that dogs are being abused or misused. And at the point in the documentary where you're thinking, well, how do you respond to that? You address it. And I'm not going to tell people how, but you address it perfectly. And what it comes down to is, thank you. you're not going to make a dog do something they don't want to do. And certainly you're not going to win any of these competitions with a dog who doesn't want to be the center of attention, who doesn't want to spend the day getting primped and blown out and colored and it has to be the right dog for this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that like the worries are always, they always stem from a really positive place. You know, everyone is a dog lover Mm -hmm. and these women just are a dog. Like if you think that you love dogs, you should meet these women Mm -hmm. because it's just like a hundredfold over. And I wanted to make sure that I address that point because I think that people's concerns come from a really good really good space but the women's answers and their work also come from a similar capacity and so i just wanted to make sure that like as you were watching the film it was something that could be addressed and answered and that the women's love of their animals were like was able to really show through you answered it to my satisfaction the person who represents that position in the documentary does not get the answer to their satisfaction because they are not listening. They're not thinking about it rationally. They just have this emotional reaction to these poor dogs, these poor dogs. You wouldn't get through your first round of competition if the dog's well-being was not your highest priority. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, other women that you feature, Nicole and Catherine or Kat, give us some insight into other aspects of this community, of this culture. How did you find not only Angela and Adrian, but Nicole and Kat and perhaps other people who didn't make it onto the screen? So Kat Opson is like a very well-known competitor as well. And she's really been on the scene for a while. I wanted to feature her in part because she also does regular dog grooming. And Adrian and Angela really specialize in creative dog grooming. The dog grooming world is just that. It's a complete world. There's like many layers to it. There's different competitions, different facets, different focuses for people. And I want to do my best while focusing on creative dog grooming to be able to represent the world at large and to be able to show people what goes into dog grooming and dog care. So I think that there's not really a lot of knowledge about it. So cat was a way to like 
discuss that to show her own specific outlook on art, which I also thought was different than Mm -hmm. Adrian and Angela, but also to like have a little bit of an insight into the rest of the dog grooming world. And she does it so lovely. She's, she's so lovely. She's also Californian, which makes her very different from everyone else Mm -hmm. in the film. Whereas like really from the South and Northeast. Um, Angela and Adrian are Southerners. Very Southern. um, And with the world's best accents. I Mm -hmm. love them so much. So Kat kind of just like provided that extra outlook. And I think that she's just so passionate about her dogs and Zeeland, especially her all white theater poodle is just like such a superstar. I really think that she needs to be in like as many movies as humanly possible or doggedly possible. And then Nicole, like one of the things about Angela, Adrian and and Kat is that they really are like very well-known performers and competitors within the space. They like, everyone knows their names. If you walk into one of these competitions or one of the, like the trade shows and you mention their names, everyone will tell you a story that they have with them. You know, like they're just like, the stars of the world. Nicole was just starting out and I wanted to see if I could get a perspective of someone who is just trying to learn this art form because it is so niche and so intricate and takes so much um, relationships with the, with your dog and knowledge of grooming and everything like that. So I thought that like the perspective of just starting would be really important for the story. And I found Nicole just at her first competition. We were there and she was trying. She's so um, earnest. You know, she's so earnest. We caught her at a spot in life, which was really hard. She just bought her own grooming shop. She's 25. She's learning how to do a new art form and she's nervous about all of it. And She's I, in a very different that, stage of life. The others, not only are they in a different position within the competitive grooming, they're far enough in life that they've kind of got things figured out this is what my life is and this is how the grooming fits into it. Nicole's at that stage of life. Like you said, she's 25. Not only is she figuring out the grooming, she's figuring out everything in life. I mean, she's finally sort of an independent adult and she's figuring out the world all at once. And it's so refreshing. So it's like, I love just being able to see the difference in between the competitors and then having them all kind of come together in these competitions and, to know a little bit more about what each of them are bringing to the stage, I thought was, was important. Is there any thought of using the rest of your footage to expand this? Cause this could be a, a multi-part cause there's unanswered questions, not because you ignored them, but because there's time constraints because, because yeah. people aren't going to sit down for a six hour documentary and it's a lot harder to sell I'm sure I have a six part documentary and go to Netflix. I have a six part documentary on competitive dog grooming. It's a lot easier to sell 90 minutes. At the end of the day, you got to pay the bills. I think for right now, uh, well-groomed is going to stay well-groomed, but the, the outtakes are hilarious. We spend so much time with Adrian's little dog, Gucci trying to catch balls that I think I could make an entire show out of that. And I think it's Cat's um, husband who you show portioning out the meals. Like they're packing for traveling to a show and all the Ziploc bags for how many meals, how long are they going to be gone, packing everything and the laundry baskets of sorting. Here's all this stuff 
that you don't see behind the scenes when you go to the show. You see them groom the dog, but there's prep that goes into it, and you've got to take care of this dog for the hours they're not on the stage. The organizational skills required are impressive. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> the format for the shows obviously would have your dog bathe and do some cutting ahead of time, but for the most part, it's all done in front of an audience. Again, you have to be very organized because once they say time's up, you can't spray anything more. You can't do one more little snip. The dog is done. And then for some of the shows, there's an opportunity for the groomer to also be part of the presentation so they can quickly get into costume. You have to have a certain kind of personality to be under that microscope for the whole time you're grooming the dog and then to sort of pitch at the end, this is why my dog should win. Yeah, that was so interesting because it's like most of the women are not the kinds of people who love the spotlight. They like it. You know, they're interested in it. Otherwise, I don't think that they would do creative dog grooming because you're constantly getting stopped on the street. Nicole, but they're me also- away. Because when you say say that, you know, not everyone is like going to be a presenter. I, I'm not going to say why she blew me away because I want people to watch <laughs> the documentary. My wife and I are both in tears when she had her moment. Yeah. I can't believe she did this. Uh, And even what we thought about the other person involved in that, we had very low expectations and that person stepped up. You know what I'm talking about. Audience who hasn't seen this doesn't know what I'm talking about, but we were cheering. We were in our living room cheering and crying. Oh, it's so good to hear that you had such an intense emotional reaction to the film. It's always what I try for. You definitely succeeded there. You talked about the outtakes. Anything about production that surprised you, which maybe all of it did since you were new to it, but anything about either the grooming community that your research didn't give you a heads up on, that you were in the middle of it and it's like, I had no idea, or distractions that I'm doing this documentary, but now that I know this, maybe I should pivot to this aspect of it You know, the pivoting is interesting. There's like an old adage that you always say, like, if you start and end a documentary in the same spot, then you weren't listening. Mm -hmm. But for me, a lot of it came into just the research of finding this community and then just like doing a lot of listening up front. I made a short film before the feature film, which was really just the research period where I met everyone, went to all the shows, really spending a lot of time on this. And I never really did that larger pivot because I again just fell completely in love with all of these women. I think the thing that surprised me in production was kind of the process of filming with animals. There's like yet another adage where you should never do your first film with kids or with animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was making Well Groomed, I was actually producing a documentary about three little boys who were each under 18. So I was doing kids and animals simultaneously. So I was trying to figure out like what lenses could we use to make sure that the dogs didn't get scared by the camera so that everything was very natural? I mean, especially during the competition setups, like the dogs not being scared is, as you were saying, very critical. And cameras are scary things. Like they're big, they're mm-hmm. black, they don't smell like anything. So we really spent a lot of time after the short film, like finding long lenses um, that would still be beautiful and like 
getting to know each dog before the competitions that when we went up there, like they already knew me and my main cameraman, Alex Lewis, so that we could really seamlessly like work ourselves in. And that was really a process of discovery. So now I feel like I could film anything with any animal um, or at least with any dog because we were just spending so much time with them. And a lot of the women who do creative dog grooming or dog grooming generally have lots and lots of dogs. So you would show up at their, at their house and it would be like, 10 dogs, all of whom have different responses to the camera. And you really have to cater to all of them. You can't just choose one, you know. And you're trying to get some VO and there's 10 barking dogs. Yeah. (laughs) The audio was hilarious. We actually, um, I did uh, the majority of the audio for the film. And in the sound mix, we went back through and we like combed out all of the dog barking, which was really hard. My sound mixer worked really, really hard. And then we went back in and added dog barks to exact spots to like help raise the the stakes in a situation mm-hmm. or like make something more funny, you know, like just a little bit of sprinkling here and there. And we tested it on my dog. So watching the film to see if he would like look up and mm-hmm. like be curious about what was on the screen. Uh, and I was like, that's just the right amount of dog barking. Our dog Peaches has a very short coat and hardly any hair on her underbelly. She's a, a very short-coated uh, pit. She was very dismissive when she was watching. She was not interested at all. And I think maybe there is some latent jealousy there because she would not be able to participate. Her coat uh, would not well, there lend are itself. some products for her. So you can, if you go and check out Angela Comfy's page, you can buy some stuff for short hair dogs. Of course, well. of course, Angela would would have that covered. <laughs> well, what are you working on now, Rebecca? Or are you just waiting for the world to return to normal? I would really like the world to return to normal. I'm working on a few films. Most of them are short. Nothing too much to report yet. When you have something to report, we would be very interested in you letting us know. And whether it's dog-related or not, we'll make sure our listeners know about it. Because once they watch well-groomed, they're going to want to know what is next. So is there a website people can go to if they're uh, wanting to uh, get the DVD? They know what all the streaming websites are. We don't need to tell them how to find those. Yeah, you can go to wellgroomedfilm.com or just Amazon and order the DVD right there. And it's worth having the DVD because you'll want to watch it again. You'll want to share it with friends. Well-groomed, I can't recommend this highly enough. I'm glad my wife liked the cover of the DVD. Rebecca, uh, thank you so much for taking time to tell us a little bit more about uh, the production of Well-Groomed and you stay safe. Yeah, you too. Thanks so much for having me. I'm Phil Hatterman and you've been listening to Dog Words presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Rebecca Stern for joining us today. A link to wellgroomedfilm.com is in the episode description. Click on Watch for download, streaming, and DVD options. I'm sure the shorter HBO version is wonderful, but do yourself a favor and watch the full 88-minute theatrical cut. One of the featured groomers in the documentary, Adrian Pope, is currently battling COVID-19 and pneumonia. To assist with her medical bills, use the GoFundMe link in the episode description. Next time on Dog Words, my wife Dawn and I will share the story of Peach's Delight. She turns 14 this week. Not only is Peach is a great ambassador for Rosie Fund, she is a perfect example of how adopting a senior or harder-to-adopt dog can bring joy to a home. 
There are many factors that can make a dog harder to adopt, not just age. Breed, medical issues, disposition, how a dog presents in the shelter, and other attributes may discourage adopters from considering dogs like Rosie and Peaches. Rosie Fund gives these dogs exposure on social media like Facebook and the Rosie Fund YouTube channel. Your donations help other shelter dogs have the life that Rosie had in her final months and that Peaches now enjoys. Make a difference in a shelter dog's life by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. The link is in the episode description. All proceeds go towards supporting our mission to help senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have a better life. Thank you to Alternative String Duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Check out FiddleLife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Use the link in the episode description to see their underground virtual concert series schedule. Purchase a single concert or buy the series ticket and receive a digital download of their holiday album. Rate and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships. Then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions, including letting us know what topics and guests you like, at rosiefund.org. And let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words Podcast. Thank you for listening. And remember, we save each other.